Hey, what's up, Hoop Ball listeners? I'm Lawrence Brooks. Catch all Dallas Mavericks news, notes, and coverage by tuning in to my show, the Hoop Ball Mavs Podcast. Follow Hoop Ball Mavs on Twitter at Hoop Ball Mavs, that's M A V S, and check me out on Twitter at LB Said It. We'll be posting instant feedback and insight on social media during games, and then follow up and download the Hoop Ball Mavs Podcast, available everywhere pods are found. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's uh, Thursday. I'm doing a better job of keeping track of what day of the week it is because I'm looking at my calendar before I hit record. It was all so simple. It was all so simple. Could have figured this out weeks ago. I'm Dan Baspris. This is a hoopball presentation. Hoop-ball.com at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. You can also follow their uh, overarching, or I should say our, I guess, overarching Twitter feed. That's Hoopball Tweets. That one contains tweets from our various team pages as well, which uh, have been expanding at a pretty remarkable clip. Uh, we got Hoopball Nets, Hawks. Mavs, Pelicans, Bulls, Kings, Grizzlies, Clippers, Lakers, gaming. All that stuff ends up under the Hoopball Tweets umbrella. So if you'd like to see all the things we're working on, that would be the place to go. Hoop-ball.com, of course, is the easiest spot. If you don't want to have to worry about following a Twitter feed, you can just see all the most recent stuff there on the media wall. And it's pretty sweet. We got uh, multiple features from the DFS gang every day. Mike and Aaron last night put out the DFS Daily Podcast. That's called DFS Today. Aaron also wrote up a free, for the playoffs, written analysis of the DFS card. That's actually part of our premium package during the regular season. So you can get a taste of that if you want to check it out. News of the morning was actually kind of big. Steve Nash from the top rope at a left field. No one saw this one coming. Steve Nash gets a four-year deal to be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. This is really something. There were no reports of him even being in the mix. The coaching odds at betting sites, shout out to our partners at mybookie.ag, didn't even have him on the list. He wasn't even on the list. Every single wager placed on the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets was a loser. And you wonder, how does Vegas win? How do they win all the time? This is a good way. Everyone's a loser. I don't think anybody had Steve Nash on the list. He wasn't even in the discussion. No one had even brought him up as a possibility. There's a lot of discussion going on this morning about Steve Nash and his credentials. There is an almost equal amount of discussion going on this morning about Steve Nash and... I'm trying to think of the most tactful way to put this, what he looks like. And I don't really want to talk about either of those because I don't know that it matters. At the end of the day, Brooklyn talked to a lot of people. Presumably, they interviewed a lot of head coaches. You know, they interviewed their own. I mean, Jacques Vaughn was fantastic, but apparently he wasn't the guy that Kevin Durant 
and Kyrie Irving wanted. Ultimately, I don't care what anybody says, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and probably a small, very, very small, little nugget of credit goes also to DeAndre Jordan, who's the the, the third man in that boat. They were going to basically pick their next head coach. They didn't want Kenny Atkinson. That became very clear this season. Jacques Vaughn did a wonderful job, but if that wasn't enough to get him to to get him into the good graces of the superstars, then I, you know I don't know what he could have possibly done. We've heard that other teams are eyeballing Ty Lue, Vaughn. I'm sure we'll get a look at some spots. There was someone on the Bulls. No, there was someone on the Heat that the Bulls were looking at. That's what I read yesterday. I can't remember who it was. Someone in their uh, coaching department, their their front office. So it is what it is. I mean, that's the end of the day. Like Twitter can erupt for four hours, ten hours, forty hours. I don't. I don't know how long Twitter. I mean, we move on pretty quick on the social media side of things. It, there's gonna be there are gonna be a ton of arguments here about what needed to happen or what should have happened or why Steve Nash should or shouldn't have had the job. None of it matters. Why do we all need to feel like? Why do we need to lose our heads about this? Here's the thing. It's a bottom line. It's an inarguable bottom line. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted Steve Nash. That's it. That's really all that matters. Sean Marks was just like, all right, I like this guy. I'm sure he was into it. Even if he wasn't, he was going to convince himself he was. This team is now built around the the decision-making, the likes and dislikes of its two superstars, for better or worse. Now, that's not to say that Steve Nash just walked in and got the job. Presumably, he presented his case in a convincing fashion to the two superstars. I know, Fantasy NBA Today, the home of the anti-hot take. The anti-hot take is Steve Nash came in, presented a decent case to himself, and convinced the team's two superstars he was the right choice. I don't know what he's been up to. You know, this is this is oddly reminiscent of Golden State bringing in Steve Kerr. We were just like, what does this guy know? What does this guy know? At least with Kerr, he had spent enough time with Greg Popovich. We were like, well, it probably, you know, osmosis, something like that. Um. Yeah, I mean, there there's going to be a, a, a racial discussion on this. And that's fine. I mean, there can be. But at the end of the day, this is the guy that KD and Kyrie wanted. I don't know why. The hell do I know? There's rumors swirling this morning that Ty Lue is uh, basically in position to get the Sixers job. Uh, of course, nothing is done until it's done, more or less. Uh, but if that breaks while we're on air, we will discuss it. He makes a lot of sense with that team. They need uh, some better offensive schemes, and he's uh, shown himself to be quite adept with that. Hopefully he can help steer them towards the pieces they need around their main guys because that team is oddly built. I still think they would have been a pretty good test for the rest of the NBA in the playoffs if they were healthy. 
Ben Simmons makes a big deal, a big difference for that team. I know he's not going to space the floor, and that's the whole, that's the, that reminds me of the Simpsons episode where McBain is doing stand-up comedy. That's the joke. That's the joke. Ben Simmons, we know he can't shoot the three, but he sure does make that team better. They were not as good without him there. By the way, we're also seeing how uh, how well-oiled Boston looks in the playoffs right now, and perhaps Philly wasn't as bad as we thought. They were saying, oh, they can't even get past, they can't even get one from Boston. Well, Boston's rolling the Raptors right now. Maybe, they're, maybe the Celtics are just better than we all thought. Which I guess leads us, that's a nice transition into what's coming up today. Toronto-Boston is the first one today. Raptors are favored by two and a half in this ballgame. The line has gone up under the, I would assume, assumption that Toronto is not going to get sweeped uh, to learn how to speak, Dan. They're not going to get swept in this series. Oh, what an idiot. By the Celtics. Although, I got to say, I watched that last ballgame. Everybody's like, ah, Toronto threw this one away. Boston didn't play very well in that last game. I believe you. I thought Toronto was going to win that last one. I really did. I thought, and it ended up being a coin flip. So, you know, whatever. Game that came down to one possession. This could easily be another one of those. And, you know, pre-flop betting on games that are going to come down to one possession is, uh, it's a dicey play. A total of 217 and a half in this ball game. Uh, the last one was 201. It went under by 17. The series opened up on Sunday at uh, 206 was the final number. That was under 217 and a half. So number keeps coming down. Total has settled now from 217 and a half down to 217. I think it was briefly in the 216s. Might have even been 215 area earlier this week, and it seems to have been bet back up a little bit. There is seemingly an assumption that these two teams have a better offensive game coming. From a pace standpoint, Toronto is attempting to get out and move. The pace was actually pretty good in that last ballgame. The pace, uh, if you account for all factors, should have led to more points than 201. I don't know if it should have gotten to 217. Now, admittedly, Toronto hitting just 40% of their 90 field goal attempts was uh, certainly a, a depressing note. What does that put them at? I don't have the number in front of me. They hit 36. Was it 36 made field goals at a 90? What happens if you bring that up to uh, 46%? So let's let's do a little math on the fly here. Let's make sure that we're uh, reassessing our 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 calculator work. Are we doing our calculator work right? So uh, 46% of 90 would be 41.4. So that'd be 5.4 additional made field goal attempts. Well, let's just call them all two-pointers for the hell of it. Uh, that gives you about 11 additional points on the Toronto side. So that's if they can get up to 46%. Be at least 11 more points. Maybe one of those is a three-pointer. Maybe two of them are. Uh, so we could call it 12. So that would put Toronto at 111, effectively. And for Boston, they shot 42% in this game. Their pace was much worse, and they had 17 turnovers. So if you eliminate a couple of those, and they make even two additional shots, they go from 102 to 106, 107, 108, something like that, especially if you remove a turnover. And then you're talking about uh, around 220. 
which I think is basically why the total is sticking at 217. The pace of this ball, these, these ball games, and the first one was was not that different. Toronto just shot even worse. Boston shot more like the number that we I think we're targeting is the expectations that both these teams are going to be around 110 points at the end of the ballgame. So as I look at the ballgame today, and I completely detest betting on the side in this one, I would actually look at the over as a possible move on the total. I think this is the game where if you trust in coaching staffs, you look at both sides and say, this is where we find something to do on offense. On the Boston side, in the last ballgame, uh, other than Robert Williams, the Time Lord, just dunking on everyone, he went 5 for 5. Everyone else on the Celtics was 50% or worse, and most of them far worse. Jason Tatum was at 47%. He was easily the most effective Celtic on offense. He also went 14 for 14 at the free throw line. Everybody else was super inefficient in that game. Kemba Walker was awful. He went 6 for 18. Jalen Brown was not very good either. He was, I believe, 5 for 13. So Boston can easily shoot the ball better in this coming game. They can easily move up. Same with Toronto. Pascal Siakam was bad. Kyle Lowry was bad. Freddie Van Fleet was bad. But somebody on that team is going to have to figure out how to make a shot consistently. Marcus Gasol might want to consider doing something when he's on the floor. Or not. I don't know. He's really resigned himself to a fairly useless place on offense. Aside from he went on that run in the middle of the season, you just wonder what, what's happening right now. So I think I lean towards the over, if anything, in that ballgame. But it is, it's tenuous, you know, because you could come out there and, and the teams could shoot poorly again. I think there's, you know, there's just expectation here that somehow it's going to revert towards the mean. But that doesn't always happen in a short series. And it doesn't always happen in a hotly contested playoff series where people are defending better. Those lines, of course, as these next ones come from our buddies at mybookie.ag. I hope you guys have been signing up. Uh, en masse. En masse. You should. Minimum deposit is $45. If you use the coupon code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, all one word, you can unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. They will match your deposit 100%. You put in 45, they put in 45. You put in 50, they put in 50. You put in 200, they put in 200. It goes into the free play bucket. You get all this free play money you can mess around with, have some fun. Uh, obviously, if you do well with your free play money, it moves into your actual money. And as soon as you hit some of those free play rollover numbers, you can cash it out. I mean, do well. Use the use the free play. If basically, look at this. Think of it this way. Because of the free play, and yes, every online betting site has rollover requirements. It's 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 industry standard. But think of it from this perspective. I know their first thought is like, oh, rollover. But think of it this way. If you put $200 into my bookie right now and use the promo code HoopBall and they put in $200 of free play, and uh, let's say the rollover is like five times, so you got you to gotta gamble a grand to keep the, the free play that they give you. If you put... I don't know, $20 a bet. That's only 50 bets to hit your rollover mark. It's really not that crazy. That's not that crazy. And the beauty of it is, all you got to do is break even. We're going to get you winners. 
We'll get you winners with our leans on this pod. Our hoopball gaming division is just kicking ass and taking names on a week-to-week basis. We'll get you winners. But even if you just broke even for those 50 plays, then you keep the rollover. You keep the free play. You don't actually have to win to win. All you have to do is not lose the free play. Isn't that crazy? Think of it from that standpoint. It's an unbelievable advantage. Under normal circumstances, if you just put your own money uh, on a bet, if you walk into a Las Vegas casino, they're going to take a 10% VIG on whatever bet you're placing, especially if you're betting against the spread. You bet 11 to win 10. That's how it works. That means you have to hit 52.4% of your wagers to win money. But if somebody matched your bet every time you put one down, that's basically what's happening here. You only need to hit 50% to win money because money is coming to you each time. Every time you place a wager and break even, you're winning. 50% gets you a win. Actually, slightly less than 50% probably gets you a win based on the numbers here. Pretty awesome. So sign up. It's that easy. Just be judicious. Don't go crazy. Don't try to win all your money at once. Don't spend, you know, don't go nuts but just slowly work your way towards the rollover requirement and break even, and you can then cash out, and you win. You win by breaking even. I love it. MyBookie.ag, promo code HoopBall. Do it with us. Game two on the docket tonight. I'm really excited about both of these games today. The uh, It's weird, too. I, 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 had begin, I had started to lose interest in some of the series. Oddly, it's series involving Milwaukee that are <laughs> making me lose interest right now. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about that Bucks and and Heat situation because, well, Milwaukee to their credit actually, you know they got closer in that last one. But anyway, we'll, let's finish talking about t- the games tonight. Clippers line is up from eight to nine now. Remember we talked about it yesterday? It opened at eight. It's up to nine with a total of two twenty three. That is a big number. During uh the regular season, if I saw this. On this would be have to be a neutral site, which of course wasn't happening, but for the bubble games and who the hell cared about those. But basically, what this is saying is that if this game was played at Staples Center in the playoffs, the Clippers would be favored by twelve to thirteen points. And I'd be thinking, what? That's a trick. But in the playoffs, I don't think you really have those sort of trick lines. This is just built off what is splitting the money. And right now, Clippers by nine is telling you that heavy action is coming in on the Clippers. And I don't blame people for betting on them because Denver didn't look very good in their win over Utah in the first round. Jamal Murray looked good in four of those seven or five of those seven games. Was it five? No, four of those seven games. I forget. Uh, Jokic looked solid. Solid if unspectacular. Just sort of like quietly piles up his numbers. But the Clippers have the star power. Um, they dispatched of a Mavericks team in six games. It feel, you know, everybody's like, oh, they've been resting. They beat up. They didn't really beat up on Dallas. They actually didn't play all that well, and, and Dallas was down key players. But look, here's the thing. I'm not touching the side in this game. If I did, I would bet on the Nuggets because um, Clippers have been resting for a while, for one, and that actually can be a little bit of a down thing. Um, two, this is actually a, a little bit of a weird matchup for uh for the clippers 
not necessarily a bad one. So let, let me clarify. It's it's a weird one for the reasons I mentioned on yesterday's show, which is that the Nuggets' best players are in positions where the Clippers are arguably weaker. Meaning the Clippers, and this I've talked about this on the show before, there's this weird round-robin thing going on where each team seems like it's better suited for another one. I still think the Clippers are far superior to the Nuggets. Don't get me wrong. This is not a tough matchup for the Clippers. It's just a little bit weird because for all the Clippers' Twitter love for Ivica Zubats and the energy that Montrez Harrell brings... Those guys don't stand a chance against Nikola Jokic. There's only like two guys in the NBA that stand a chance against Jokic. Uh, Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis are probably those guys. Because we saw Jokic just roll right over Rudy Gobert, who, uh, to Aaron Bruski's credit, he said it on this show, Gobert's not the same guy anymore. He's, uh, he's bigger, he's stronger, but he's not as quick, and that's where you need to sort of make your hay with Jokic. You need to be able to handle his strength, but also sort of get in the way of all the weird stuff he was doing. We saw what Anthony Davis did to him during the regular season. Very few people in the NBA can give Jokic a tough time. He, he just sort of gets what he wants in his weird way. And so, you know, he should be able to make hay with this Clippers team. This needs to be a series where Jokic goes to town. Patrick Beverly was the other point of discussion yesterday. Reports came out later in the day Um that Beverly is hoping to play in game one tonight, which to me would actually be a really a, a really big deal. I know he also won't be at full tilt and probably won't be at full speed then, but he's the kind of guy that can just hound Jamal Murray. He's going to get fouls. He's going to pick up fouls. He's going to get fouls by the bowlful, I'm, I reckon. But he's the kind of guy that, and I'm sure he's seen what we've seen, which is, if Jamal Murray gets off to a slow start in a ball game, generally that sort of follows through the game. He doesn't have a ton of games where he starts really slow and then gets roaring. Jamal Murray is either blinding, like surface of the sun hot, or ice cold moons of Jupiter kind of thing. We saw it in that last series. He either shot like 30% or 60%. He either went for 17 points on 25 shots or 60 points on 25 shots. It's crazy. That's how it goes with Jamal. And, you know, it makes him uh, mercurial, I guess, would be a word we could use. He's he's a bit unpredictable at times, but generally, he's a very dangerous scorer. And so if you're, if you're the Clippers now, if you're putting someone like Reggie Jackson or Lou Williams on him, you're encouraging Jamal Murray to get hot early. A healthy Pat Beverly encourages the opposite. So that, that definitely helps the Clippers in a big way. Uh... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are incredible basketball players, defense is one of their strongest assets. They don't really have anybody to focus on in this series. You know, what are they going to do? Slow down Gary Harris? He can do that for himself. Slow down Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr.? I think they can handle that themselves. I don't know if they need those guys to slow them down. So it's a weird series. We'll see if the Clippers put Paul George on... Or Kawhi, even. I probably George, if anybody, on Jamal Murray for any stretches of time. But a healthy Pat Beverly allows the Clippers not to have to worry about that. And so then you might see Paul George and Kawhi focus more on their offense. This may end up being in sort of offensively minded series. Like, you know what? Jokic is going to do his thing. We're going to let Pat Beverly try to irritate Jamal Murray. They'll probably end up hitting each other before the series is done. And maybe the score gets run up a little bit. Not, not that dissimilar from the Mavs series. We'll just. If the Clippers will just sort of get caught up in a little bit of an offensive thing and, and we'll outgun them. 
So I actually, and this is rare for me because you've heard it on the pod, I almost always tell you guys I start by looking at the under and I see if I can talk myself out of it. And I've talked myself out of it for both games tonight. I'm not wagering heavily on these stuff. You know me. I'm, at this point, I'm mostly doing my stuff in-game, live in-game wagers, but leans to the overs, oddly enough, in both games. Clippers Nuggets, mostly because it's early in the series. There's that kind of feel-out element, and Toronto-Boston because I don't know that their offense could be a whole lot worse than we saw those first two games. That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Numbers, totals taking a haircut there. Oh, by the way, uh, should you also want a haircut, I'm trying to set myself up for this every day. You should be heading over to our buddies at my manscaped.com. Coupon code there is hoopball20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Get the lawnmower 3.0 with waterproof technology. Pinch free. Oh, that is useful. That is useful. The built-in LED light, also quite useful. I strongly suggest you check it out. And when I say check it out, I mean get one for 20% off free shipping. You can save like $15 to $20 on it. It's a, it's a great coupon code. Fantastic coupon code. Big thank you to our, our buddies over at Manscaped.com. They've been an, uh, a wonderful partner. And uh, I, I think I've made a nice friendship, actually, with uh, their rep over there. It was a big Clippers fan. Shout out to Kyle at Manscaped, who uh, I'm sure will be glued to his TV tonight and probably thrilled that I think his Clippers are going to annihilate the Nuggets. What happened yesterday? This is the order we do things in on the pod now for those that are uninitiated. We cover the games coming up because if you want to make a wager, you want to get the information on that quickly. Yesterday, Miami beat Milwaukee 116-114. Here's the thing about this ballgame. It wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. Which, doesn't that sound a little bit nuts? Miami was the better team for most of this ballgame. And Miami didn't play all that well. There were a lot of free throws in this game, which uh, actually helped Milwaukee more than Miami this time around. They had more points at the foul line than the Heat did, uh, a turnaround from the first game. Bucks out-rebounded the Heat 50-38, to which is kind of what we expected after getting clobbered on the boards in Game 1. Um, but when you size it all up, the Bucks got clobbered at the three-point line. Miami is the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Goran Dragic had four, and uh, Jay Crowder had four, and Tyler Hero, Kelly Olynyk, and Duncan Robinson each had three. They hit 17 three-pointers in that ballgame. That's 51 damn points at the three-point line. Uh, Bucks hit only seven. They couldn't get the outside shots to drop. Giannis played a little bit better. He got more of his own, got out and ran a little bit more often. George Hill played well. Uh, having Bledsoe back was useful for them. Brooke Lopez had another good ball game. But, you know, they need somebody to hit an outside shot at this point. They need someone to be able to space the floor for them, and that was supposed to be the way this team was built. I will say, for the Bucs' side, um, they, I, I think their game plan was better defensively in this ballgame, even though the Heat put up 116. Milwaukee wants the score to be higher. The issue, of course, was that the Bucs just didn't hit shots in this game. This was, could they make a few more shots? Still, Miami was largely in control of this ballgame, pretty much from start to finish. Uh, Bucks ever so briefly, it was kind of like they caught him and then they drifted back, they caught him and then they drifted back. The Bucks were down 10 with, I think, six minutes left to go. So they did, you know, they, they fought back in it again, made a game of it. Milwaukee's got to get off to a better start. They have to keep the heat from 
getting those open looks at three. The Heat hit slightly tougher shots in this ballgame, to their credit. Milwaukee did not. And so as they look towards the next ballgame, I think the Bucks can feel a little bit better. Like they're this is not an this series is not over. But again, I can't watch these series and think, how did Milwaukee not come up with a game plan for this? Miami is is running actually kind of a clunkier version of what Toronto did last year. It's almost the exact same. It's the wall. There's a, a picture making the rounds in NBA spheres where Giannis comes into the front court and he's ahead of his entire team. The other four bucks are either even with or behind him. And as Giannis crosses half court, there are four heat defenders just lined up like a phalanx at the three point line. He's staring down. I mean, there are eight eyes on Giannis at all times. Maybe one guy that's not really paying attention to him on the opposing defense. I, I can't, I cannot fathom how they haven't quite figured this thing out yet. Uh, Bucks, by rebounding better, they were able to get out and get a few more easy buckets, which again tells you, I mean, look, Giannis took 18 shots and that's better, but Middleton wasn't as good. Bledsoe, sub 50%. They got to find a way, and they need to get something from their bench. Anything at all would do at this point. Maybe something from Wesley Matthews. Maybe don't start Wesley Matthews. I don't know. Maybe they love his defense too much, but give somebody else a look at that point. Maybe George Hill. Matthews played 30 minutes and really was wholly ineffective. Um, I think the, I think the Bucks win game three. I think they're starting to make a few adjustments and turn a few corners here. Um, but I mean, this is right now. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. I think they do, but I wouldn't bank on it. And finally, Houston, Oklahoma city, a series that went seven games does finally come to its conclusion, Oklahoma city. And they're going to get killed for the way they ran their last play with a second to go. Steven Adams was basically unguarded at the hoop for a tie. And they didn't take it. Instead, guys came charging out towards the three-point line, uh, presumably take a shot for a win. Uh, but P.J. Tucker was on Steven Adams. That's like a seven-inch height advantage. And everybody else was out at the three-point line. Adams was behind Tucker. A flip over the top to Steven towards the basket, and he would have had a layup to tie the game and send it to overtime. But they didn't see it. Uh, Shea was the inbounder. He didn't see it. Uh, and Oklahoma City falls to the Rockets, who... You know, the whole series, it seemed like Houston probably should have been the ones moving on, but they did a great job on James Harden. It gave them a chance in this series, and they almost made it. Chris Paul didn't get that many shots in this ballgame, but he did triple-double, a fantastic series for Chris, who, again, a completely overmatched team, and they almost won it anyway. Thunder had no business almost winning this series. Lugans Dort had 30 in this game. The Rockets just totally un left him unguarded and said, here, you beat us, and he almost did. And the next series for Houston is going to be so different. The, the Thunder are so guard-heavy. Chris Paul, Shea, Schroeder, Gallo, their power forward. I mean, like, this was, this was a small team. And then Steven Adams, now the Rockets are going to go play a giant team. Lakers are just, they are whoppers. AD, McGee, Dwight Howard, LeBron. Even Keefe you throw in there. A, Lakers are just a gigantic team. So uh, should be an interesting series for sure. That one starts tomorrow. 
And uh, in a beautiful twist, we'll have Alex Regla on the show to help break down the Lakers-Rockets series. Uh, he'll be on with us. Um, he has written in the past for the Lakers uh, SB Nation website and Bleacher Report, Basketball Index. Um, right now, he works at, uh, I believe, Throwdown. So we'll, we'll talk to uh, Alex about that on tomorrow's show. Should be uh, a lot of fun. He has great Lakers data. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you, you will by the end of our discussion on tomorrow's podcast. So that's uh, that's perfect timing. Um, on the Houston side, you know, who's who's been better in these playoffs than Robert Covington? Rob Covington's been amazing. Six threes, three steals, three blocks in this game. Twelve cash counters and a double-double. James Harden was neutralized. Russell Westbrook was um, good, if unspectacular. Rockets got contributions from guys that were not their main dudes in this series. I mean, that uh, really, like... I don't know what I I don't know if it was exactly what the Thunder were doing or were the Rockets not doing. It's hard to know. They still hit 17 three-pointers, which like it seems silly that James Harden and Westbrook accounted for one of the 17. And uh yeah, I mean, look, if the Thunder make more of their free throws, they they might win this ball game. It could have been as simple as that. There was that weird technical late Anyway, it is what it is. Thunder, uh, fun season. Everyone said they overachieved, but to me, they were one of the easiest over-season win total bets that we placed. Of course, those were all no action, but they had hit their number even before the shutdown, which is a real pisser. Uh, they're gonna they'll look at their 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 numbers, and next year will be an interesting one. Uh, you know, are they going to be trying to move guys like Stephen Adams and Chris Paul, or do they try to kind of rebuild on the fly? I don't know. We'll see. All right, I think that'll about do it for today. Fun one. Congrats to the Houston Rockets. They have uh, moved on. We are now officially all through round one. Hooray! We did it, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, or, you know, not really fantasy. It's Fantasy Minus the Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Uh, again, I'm Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Please, if you have a moment, drop a five-star review on the show. It is eternally helpful. No matter what time of year it happens, it is super helpful for us. So please take a second and do that. Uh, hit me up again if you want to be part of our gambling division. We're building that out here at HoopBall at Dan Bespris or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Uh, again, my bookie, the promo code is HoopBall. Manscaped, the promo code is HoopBall20. Have a marvelous Thursday. Enjoy the start of a brand new series, the continuation of another, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Wrap it up. That'll be our last show for the week. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.